Never before has the creative director who's always worn the black T-shirt and black, you know, suit and uh, tried to be uh, as cool as a cucumber and, um, uh, you know, um, out-facing, all of a sudden has a screaming kid cl- clawing at his leg and uh, and, a, <laughs> and a dog running in the background. And yeah. There's a sort of hu- humility in there that uh, has actually been really nice uh, mm-hmm. to find that extra connection with the clients uh, that we have. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and this podcast will discuss just how sound influences our behavior. I generally talk about this in the context of advertising and marketing, but there are other places this is important too. I really feel that it plays a much more important role in our lives than maybe we realize. So let's delve a little deeper. This is the first part of my interview with Hamish McDonald. My next guest is the managing director of Squeaky Clean Studios, an internationally awarded music and sound company with studios in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Austin, Sydney, and Melbourne. He has nearly two decades of experience in advertising, production, and post-production, managing and developing post and production companies throughout America, Australia, England, and Asia. He's the executive producer of the top-ranking true crime podcast, King of Sting, producer of the critically acclaimed television documentary series for National Geographic and Netflix International, Tales by Light, Season 2, and is also the post-producer of the feature film, The Mule. He has a firm grasp of the creative and technical aspects of the industry and has a passion for innovation. Invigorated by the singular power of music and sound, Squeaky Clean Studios have strategically built a global team of artists, engineers, and producers, and established a connected workflow across multiple time zones to craft culture-defining work that connects brands with audiences. His name is Hamish McDonald, and you can find more information about him at squeakyclean.com. That's squeak-e, the letter e, clean.com. I'll also put links to his social media in the show notes. I'm really looking forward to hearing about Hamish's experience with audio branding and advertising in general, because I know he has a lot to share. So settle back and listen in. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Hamish. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know that you are really busy right now. (laughs) Interesting time. Very interesting time. Yeah. Yes. Well, you're about to make a move, though, right? Yeah, um, so I moved to the States uh, in late February with my wife and um, four-month-old son, Oswald, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, managed to time it perfectly that I came straight into the um, pandemic. Yay! Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was not exactly in the brochure, uh, the U.S. No. brochure. No, um, they didn't warn you. <laughs> <laughs> but the amazing thing was is um, as... Uh, I have only just, we've just merged our company, Nylon Studios and Squeaky Clean Productions about a year and a year and a half ago. Um, I wanted to, I needed to be over here anyway to um, spend time with the team and oversee uh, the rebuilding. And um, so it's actually been a really enjoyable professional 10 months since I've been here. Uh, but as we see Australia opening up, I'm going to head back home just for a few months, um, maybe a little bit longer. It'll depend on when I can happily and comfortably uh, fly back to the US um, and just uh, spend some time with my Australian studios, because obviously we still have Sydney and Melbourne 
which are working away wonderfully back down under. That's great. Yeah. So how did you get into this whole audio thing? I know it's been a uh, an interest of yours, but what caused that interest? <laughs> well, um, I guess I'm a much more roundabout way of getting there in the end. Um, I've always worked in production. Um, mm-hmm. I studied film and television at Boston University. I flew over from Australia and had the most wonderful time and loved every second and was um, just creatively rewarded by any aspect of production that I was involved with. Um, my dreams of being a director uh, were quashed quite early when I uh, got the opportunity to work with a great Australian director and see how good he was and how my skills were lacking in very many areas. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> but I seem to be good at um, at picking talent and bringing teams together. And uh, I'm a bit OCD, so I'm quite good at organising things and people. Uh, and so I found my way as a producer, um, firstly in the advertising side back in Australia and in the UK. Uh, and then on the production side um, at a uh, production company called Exit Films and then uh, at a animation studio and then a visual effects studio. Um, but all that while in my career, I'd always been hiring pretty much the same sound designers and uh, composers um, from this company called Nylon Studios because to me they were the best in Australia and I mm-hmm. loved working with them and I was always inspired and um and surprised, happily surprised by the work they did. And so when an opportunity came for me to um, uh, take over as MD um, of Nylon, I wasn't trained as a, as, a, as a composer, I wasn't trained as an engineer, but I produced a lot of, a lot of work, uh, both in the commercial side and the long form side, um, and spent a lot of time with great, uh, incredibly talented engineers and composers, and uh, I came on board from there. Um, so, yeah, I think I came through the back door um, yeah, yeah. into the world of music and sound. Well, nothing yep. wrong with that. I mean, you get to learn how it's all put together. That's kind of the the basics of making it work. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's been a help that I know all the other aspects to um, the, I guess, the chain of production. Sure. From the strategy side, going back to obviously advertising, um, through to the actual visual mediums that I've been involved with as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get the wonderful opportunities to get inspired by composers and engineers around me because it's a skill I don't have. Um, and that's that's a wonderful way to come to work every day. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> mm. How did that all get into audio branding? I mean, I know you're in the advertising end of things too, but working on audio branding for other companies is another piece of that puzzle. Well, I guess, you know, we've never thought ourselves as a, as a uh, traditional uh, music or sound house. Um, we've really looked at ways to bring those skills together and then look at the wider um, needs of the industry and the market and, you know, bringing that strategy um, into the skills that we already have internally, uh, creatively and and and, uh, and with our artists. Um, but then also, you know, we, we've done is we've really been spending time looking at the psychology and the science side behind it, along with that strategy, and really trying to find that perfect sort of middle ground of where creativity meets um, science or psychology and uh, and mm-hmm. y- using the best of both those worlds uh, as a benefit for our clients. Yeah. And so Squeaky Clean now has merged with Nylon, correct? That's correct, yes. In July 2019, we brought the teams together, um, which has been a very interesting uh, year and a half. Um, obviously, bringing creative 
teams together uh, is always going to have its um, is its energizing moments and its difficult moments. But what we found was geographically, uh, it was a very very easy match because Nylon was in Melbourne, Sydney, and and New York, and uh, Squeaker Clean had a real presence in LA, Chicago, and Austin uh, with a with a satellite offering into New York. So geographically, we fit very well. And creatively, our direction fit um, in that we always had the same goals, which was, you know, at its most basic to be culturally relevant, uh, to take our brands into that sphere mm-hmm. and to uh, be the best and work with the best at what we do. So have you guys worked with companies now as a combined entity? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, you know, uh, as difficult as it is to say, 2020 has been a, a, a very strong year for us as a company. Mm-hmm. You know, the first five months of 2019, we're very much finding our feet um, as a newly emerged company. Uh, but 2020 has been fantastic. We've been incredibly busy. Um, we've, we're busier as a whole than we were as two parts, which was always the goal. And we were, the goal was always to be better as a whole than uh, we were as two parts. And that's certainly been the case. Um, that's great. So yeah, it's been, it's been a wonderful, wonderful uh, year in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been pretty horrendous. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to say that it's been a good year for other things, but oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, well, you know, rising to the challenge of challenging times—that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, one, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's something that I'm the the most proud of is actually sort of the way that all my studios have been able to work together, and my teams have been able to work together and really support each other through these times. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, that's been my proudest moment as a managing director is to not only see the incredible work that we've been able to continuously do, um, but to see the teams really sort of lean on each other and help each other. Um, and because we are in five, six different markets, they are sort of surging and falling at different times. Mm-hmm. So we really are sharing workloads across all of our studios. Um, we've always lived on the cr- on the cloud because we've we are across multiple time zones, but um, that's really come into its own since um, the start of March. Yeah, so you've seen things change then from before COVID and and after. And I'm not really talking about the merger now. I'm talking about how you work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, we had always shared jobs, but at this point, we share you know, the majority of jobs, um, you know, everybody is at home. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody uh, is, is, is you know, on the same tools. Um, they're all available. They're all very keen to work in the different markets. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's been this wonderful sort of um, joining force um, of, you know, seeing how the market's shifting um all of a sudden you know sydney uh and melbourne are going gangbusters and you know new york's incredibly quiet because you know i mean obviously new york was the hardest hit in those early days yeah but you know that doesn't mean that our new york team was um and to their credit they were putting on uh funny filters and at one point they were reporting like they were newscasters and (laughs) keeping everybody you know uh very very upbeat and so, you know, it, it's those little things that have been uh, really, really important for the company. Um, and, you know, clients um, have been doing their best. You know, I mean, you know, agencies, um, 
have been clinging on to the productions that they do have and really, really riding them out and making sure that everything is done to the nth degree, which in some capacities has been wonderful because we've got to spend more and more time with them, you know, and you get a little window into their home and their world, you know. You know, never before has the creative director who's always worn the black T-shirt and black, you know, suit and uh, tried to be uh, as cool as a cucumber and... Um, uh, you know, um, out facing, all of a sudden has a screaming kid cl- clawing at his leg, and uh, and a <laughs> and a dog running in the background. And yeah, there's a sort of hu- humility in there that uh, has actually been really nice uh, mm-hmm. to find that extra connection with the clients uh, that we have. I guess you you get to meet all of the the pets. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and my son is uh, yeah no stranger to um, bursting in on a meeting and causing oh, yes. trouble. Yeah, often with a nappy around, uh, <laughs> <laughs> being left behind as he uh, nude scoots across the floor, um, which um, happily to say is is, is considered um, a fun part to a call these days, not unprofessional. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that humanizing is becoming more acceptable. That's a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Long may it last. Looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com audio-branding-strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website. And I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. I'm curious as to now that you guys are merged, what are the projects that you've worked on that you're particularly proud of? There are a number of clients that a number of jobs that we've done that I'm I'm super proud of, you know, across all our different territories. Um, I guess the relationships that we've built with some clients um, and and agencies that have been repetitive um, is a bit of a sign of the times of COVID um, in that people are outside of their comfort zone. Um, so they're trying to find comfort in a relationship where they wholly trust your abilities. And, mm-hmm. you know, we found that, you know, with clients like Square and HP and Campbell's, um, we've been able to work with them consistently over the last at least six or seven months and produce some fa- fantastic work that we're, we're very proud of, um, which has also given us the ability to work with amazing directors like Michelle Gondry and people like that, which is always a bit of fun. Wonderful. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a process that you go through when you take on a client to figure out what their sound might be? Well, it's an interesting one in that, you know, um, we obviously do our best to really deep dive. I mean, if you're talking about obviously being briefed for um, a music job, not necessarily a sonic branding job, um, there are so many factors as to how d- deep you can dive into um, 
that client and um, it's their demographic and their consumer base and their um, mm-hmm. you know, their proposed brand positioning. Um, obviously, the more time you've got, the, the the more chance you have to do that. Um, yeah, obviously, we we do our best to to see what recent campaigns have been like, what they're wanting to change up about what they've got in the future, and also you know really look at um, ways that we can hopefully make their brand more culturally relevant um, through you know our own stylings because um, they've come to us for a reason. You know, um, there are a lot of great music and sound houses out there. You know, um, and um, you know we have you know, our own abilities um, that we are very proud of. And, um, you know, that's what we like to bring into each project. Sure. Yeah, it seems like the company is very global in in spectrum. So that can definitely help a brand to reach more people. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and obviously music is so subjective. Um, and, you know, so for us, you know, we have uh, 10 full-time composers across our six studios. And we obviously have... Uh, plethora of um, incredibly talented freelancers or permalancers, uh, as some of them are. Um, mm-hmm. And so we actually uh, get all of our composers to write on every brief that we get, um, time permitting, of course, uh, because we know that um, being as subjective uh, as music is, you know, it might be uh, a different um, background than one of our composers has that just happens to nail that specific brief. You know, um, everyone's inspired in different ways. And so um, we think, you know, having uh, array of incredibly talented composers all writing on a project will just bring in some some different thoughts outside of what the specific uh, brief might be. And different people from different parts of the world have different sensibilities when it comes to music. So absolutely a nice way for... Sorry, I was about to say, and, and, you know, what is their core instrument? I mean, the incredible thing about a lot of composers these days is that they play um, every instrument under the sun um, Mm -hmm. and not just on this, not not just on this synths. You know, they actually do play multiple instruments unbelievably well. But, you know, uh, those that have that have that have been taught from piano or from guitar, they come at it with a different sensibility. Um, Yes. uh, And so, you know, it's. It's wonderful to give one brief to 10 different composers and see what comes in. Yeah. I imagine it's kind of the same way when you give someone a, a brief for a visual creation of some kind. It's kind of the same deal, just <laughs> in audio. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's one of the interesting things about, you know, the conversation on sonic branding mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, there shouldn't be any difference between really the idea behind a sonic logo and a visual logo. You know they're just as important, you know, and you, you know you find that any any company worth its salt has a, a ninety seven page visual guideline as to exactly how you can use their logo and what mm-hmm. colors and what exact pantones can they use. Yet when it comes to audio guidelines, very very few, um, luckily a few more these days, but very few actually have has anything really specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I find that 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 really interesting, especially with, you know, with all the science that and all the research that we know um, about how important um, you know music is, um, uh, and having a multi-sensory experience is over a uni-sensory uni experience. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know a lot about this. You know, I've been listening to your podcast, and um, you know, I think you've been schooled by some 
absolutely brilliant people and you seem to know a hell of a lot yourself. So <laughs> That's because I've been schooled. <laughs> <laughs> I am learning a ton. Every time I interview someone, I learn more. <laughs> and that's the fun of it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, you know, and that's why, I, you know, we about, you know, maybe about a year ago, uh, maybe a little shorter than that, you know, we took a backward step and we looked at the work that we were doing in Sonic Branding and we said, you know, how can we get better at this? Uh-huh. You know, we believe we have the best creatives. Um, how do we get the best results uh, and the best proven results? Because, again, music is subjective. And uh-huh. if it's a good Sonic logo, you still probably won't know for a year or two years or three years whether it is uh, a, a really useful tool. Um, Very in, true. You know, uh, and so it was at that point where we sort of went and took that backward step, like I mentioned earlier, and started to include some external resources that were specialists in their area, being consumer neuroscience and um, psychoacoustics and um, music condition and that sort of thing. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available on all the usual outlets. Until next time.